Cause what's up, y'all? Hello, how are you doing out there? You chilling? I'm winning. Oh, by the way, the album's out. Go get it. We went to the studio and then we made a video. We didn't make a movie though. Maybe the next year or so, yo. I got a message for my fans and friends. The last album was Step Y'all. And here we go again. Hello and welcome to episode 1315 of Effectively Wild, a baseball podcast from Fangraphs presented by our Patreon supporters. I am Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer, joined by Jeff Sullivan of Fangraphs. Hello, Jeff. Hi. And also joined, as promised, by Sam Miller of ESPN. Hello, Sam. Hey. You know, I've told you before that my bike lock code, my bike lock, whatever, password, uh, was Barry Barry Bonds OPS from 2004. But right. 1315 was actually my wife's bike lock. <laughs> oh. Until we lost it. <laughs> so someone figured it out? <laughs> uh, I don't know what happened to that bike lock. I, I okay. took it because mine broke. I took hers, and then I, and then I got a new one. At it, anyway, go ahead. Was there significance to that number for her I'm, that you can I'm share actually worried that I'm worried that I actually we didn't lose it and that I just gave it back to her. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably her pin for her credit card and everything, too, that you just told everyone about. Anyway, hey. moving along. All right. <laughs> it's the right number of numbers. So we are doing the minor league free agent draft, which is the real reason that we do this podcast. We just do the 150 or so other episodes per year to keep the lights on so that we can do this one episode per year. But before we do, we wanted to follow up because the last time you came on, we talked briefly about the most defining memory of 2018, and then we quickly aborted that conversation because you had to produce content on that topic later this year. And you have, and that content is now on the internet. So you found a, a, a way to make the most defining memory of 2018 not Shohei Otani, which when we briefly discussed this before, I think we all just sort of defaulted to that. That is the obvious answer, and maybe it's the right answer, but how much pressure did you feel to find another compelling answer so that your article would not be very short? I don't really remember my, my mental space at the time. I don't think I felt that much pressure to do that. I probably would have just or- rearranged the order <laughs> of how I wrote it so that the yeah. Otani would have been at the end. Mm-hmm. But I actually found un- unexpectedly as I was writing, I thought that, I mean, it is clear that Otani is not going to be forgotten for a very mm-hmm. long time. And so it is, you know, he is clearly a right answer. Uh, mm-hmm. I was surprised by how many of the things that I also included as as sort of fitting the definition uh, seemed to me, it didn't seem to me like a particularly extraordinary year while I was watching it, but there's yeah. a lot in here that I think is is legit and will actually, you know, make it some number of decades at least, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know. It's really, it's hard to know how much, how we'll watch old highlights in the future. Like so much of what I think of from the, from the, like from the 80s especially is, is the the media through which we consumed baseball. So like, you know, Bo Jackson, would Bo Jackson be as memorable if there weren't, and Ken Griffey Jr. too, would they be as memorable to me if it wasn't the baseball card boom and we had the Bo Jackson score and the Ken Griffey Jr. upper deck? Maybe they would have been, but those certainly were, those were like crucial, crucial parts of their their mythology at the time and and you know the guy running through the 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 outfield wall when he tries to make the catch mm-hmm. i mean w- w- so much of the experience of baseball at that time was also watching bloopers and clips on either uh highlight shows or this week in baseball or on uh scoreboard jumbotrons and so much of baseball in the 
previous in the, the sort of uh, like a decade ago or maybe six, seven years ago when we were uh, starting to to write was the GIF was GIF driven. And I just don't know what baseball will be consumed through in 60, 70 years. I don't know if baseball trivia books will be a thing the way they were. I had a, I don't know if I mentioned this before when we had this conversation before, but I had a crossword puzzle that I got for Christmas one year and it was a a wall-sized crossword puzzle. It was like, I think it was like six feet by six feet and there were hundreds and hundreds of clues and they were all baseball related. And so when I think what will a 11-year-old in 2090 know about baseball, I think, well, like what was on my crossword puzzle when I was 11? That's the sort of stuff, the historical stuff that, that that's how I learned things like the Gas House Gang. And that, that, they probably quit making that crossword puzzle somewhere along the line. <laughs> and I don't know if they'll have one. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the internet now, but I guess it's you have to go search for that stuff on the internet. Yeah. It's not yeah. just presented to you. As far as Otani goes, I think he's more likely to be the defining memory of 2018 if he never does it again, right? Yeah, I think so. I hope that's not the case. I don't think that will be the case. But if his arm just doesn't bounce back from the surgery or he's just such a great hitter that they just don't try it again and those 50-something innings are all we get of two-way Otani, then those will be legendary in a way that if he goes on to be a successful two-way player for years, which I'm rooting for, then we might remember 2018 as the start of that, but it won't be the peak of that. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think more important is if nobody else ever does it. I think mm. if if you start to see players developed in two-way roles, I think that, that he will still be significant. He will still be remembered as the start of that trend, but less so uh, if he's not the... I mean, there's something about being the only guy in 100 years who's done it. If he's yeah. the only guy in the next 100 years who does it as well, then I think that makes it particularly permanent. And you're right. If if this was his kind of... If this is the only year he does it, then it's kind of like uh, Mark Fidrich's season that it looms much larger than it probably should i mean i'm I, I don't know maybe not maybe mark Fidrich is really worth remembering for 40 years but i don't really i mean he was just a really good rookie right but then that was it that was like mm-hmm. he was a really good rookie who who threw more innings that year than he did in the rest of his entire career combined and i think that that's a big part of of why i still know his name mm-hmm and so, yeah, the, the I mean, there's a there, there's the possibility that he never does both at the same time again. There's the possibility that he's never that good at both at the same time again. In which case, I don't know, Ben. I I I think that if he keeps doing this, I still think that this is remembered as the year he did it. Uh-huh. Primarily, I mean, he th- this was a big story, right? Like yeah. it was a big story before he came. It was a big story mm-hmm. when he signed. It was a big story. Twenty sixteen, he was a big story. Uh, he was the rookie of the year, and I, I think that even if he becomes a you know a Hall of Famer going two way the entire time, I still think twenty eighteen will be a a, a year, and a, particularly a, if not necessarily associated with the the year itself, the number two zero one eight. I think that this year will be um, you know three chapters in the biography, uh-huh. M- more chapters in the biography than any other chapter in the biography is what I'm saying. Yeah. You want to give us some of the other candidates and the one that you picked? Because there were some that you brought up that I had not even really thought of for a while, which maybe means that they're not the defining memory of 2018, but it was (laughs) nice to be reminded of them at least. Yeah. Uh, So, all right. So I'll give you a, let's see. My, my, 
the the one that I think most people don't, uh, probably the fewest people even know happened that I included here is the Alex Bregman walk off dribbler, um, mm-hmm. which I just think is such an extraordinary play. Yeah. <laughs> like so, I if you if people don't know this play because I mentioned it to a couple of people who didn't know this play, it was the bottom of the eleventh against the A's. The A's had scored in the top of the eleventh. Blake, Blake Trinan was pitching, and yeah. uh, not to be were, confused with the, the Alex Bregman walk off pop up. Well, I, I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna mention that in a second, yeah. but um, and so he uh, runners on first and second tie game. Bregman hits a ball probably maybe four feet, and it starts out foul. And then it sort of spins fair, but it's only foul for like a quarter second. Uh, well, quarter second. That was supposed to be hyperbole, but <laughs> it was probably foul for quite a bit less than a quarter second. <laughs> and so, uh, but it sort of started foul and spun right fair. And Jonathan Lucroy jumped out and fielded it. And Bregman, seeing it go foul at first, didn't really break out of the box. And then Lucroy had the jump on him. And so Bregman was just sort of standing there holding his bat. And all this happened within a, a literal quarter second. And Lucroy picked it up, reached out to tag him. Bregman at that point thought, oh, I'll avoid it. And so he sort of took a step back. The As he's taking a step back, Lucroy extends the ball, tags him, but Lucroy drops it. It bounces off the umpire and then lands at the umpire's feet. Lucroy turns around to pick it up. By this point, Bregman has finally dropped his bat and is running to first. And Lucroy turns and with a easy throw to get him out he instead throws it at alex bregman's head bounces off his helmet into right field runs scores astros in this pennant race with the a's win the game and it's just i was listening to it at the time and i heard there was a replay review after the fact so for like seven minutes a very long replay review for like seven minutes the a's broadcasters are trying to explain what happened and i had absolutely no idea what had happened they could not in any way convey to me the sequence of events or who was standing where and i got home and i watched it finally and thought that yep that's weird so this is one of the all-time weird plays i've ever seen and it uh, happened in high stakes by uh, in a pennant race and i it probably won't it, it probably does not have a life on blooper reels on stadium jumbotrons because it, it's probably too long but it should. It's insane. And uh, so, yeah, so I uh, I also, uh, somebody pointed out, you just pointed out, but the least likely hit of the year this year, according to StatCast, was uh, Alex Bregman pop-up that yeah. Eric Hosmer dropped. And that was also a walk-off. And it's funny because I, you know, when Scott Boris was so mad that J.D. Martinez didn't finish third in the top three in MVP voting, <laughs> well, I had an MVP vote. And I I had J.D. Martinez eighth, which was the lowest that anybody put J.D. Martinez. Yeah. A lot of people had him seventh, but I was the only one who had him eighth because I put Justin Verlander ahead of him. And uh, I did the math, and if I had put J.D. Martinez first, uh, then he would have been in the top three. But I wasn't going to put him first, of course. Though. <laughs> uh, but I had Alex Bregman third, largely because of his uh, win probability advantage edge over everybody else in the league. And this hit... And the Eric Hosmer walk-off were almost a full win of win probability at it. Um, So I don't have any regrets. Yeah, it's one of the major reasons why he finished so high in clutch. And then it's it's like when you look up somebody, like if someone has a really good like arm rating or just some kind of weird standout statistic and you actually like look into how the sausage was made, usually 
it's not it's not quite the heroics like the impressive display of baseballing that you would expect it to be like Alex Bregman two of his I don't know five biggest events like clutch wise and, and win probability wise maybe even two of the three I, I remember looking at this before but that that's it they were just the worst hits he could have hit in those instances <laughs> yeah it would have been better if he just swung through the ball but he wound up being do you think it it helps or hurts the case for people to remember the lucroy play uh, the fact that he also had the hosmer play uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, help, I don't know that it helps or hurts because I'm not sure what our objective here is. <laughs> to make it memorable, I think it helps probably that there's yeah, an I extra don't, one. Uh, I, don't know, I think it probably helps. Uh, to the extent say, that put the ball the in ex- play, good things can happen. <laughs> if he had won the MVP award, which in another year he would have, in a year where you didn't have two ten and a half war players, uh, he would have won the like. There are in the median baseball year, Alex Bregman is the is an MVP, right? Like if you in a he the the median MVP I I once found is six and a half WAR. Alex Bregman was I think eight and a half with all this clutch stuff on a hundred and three win team. And so in a normal year, he's the MVP. And if you have the Hosmer and uh, Lucroy plays, then you've got enough that you can build a story around you know again a page and a half in the kids baseball trivia book Mm -hmm. so it would have helped but it doesn't probably get him there Mm -hmm. it's by the way it's the same way in reverse jeff i i i don't know i'm sure that we've all had the experience where we've tried to write about the worst base runner in baseball uh, in a year and so i every year I try to do this and it never comes together because then I, I go look at the actual plays and it's just like a guy goes first to second on a single to center and you're like, well, how do I make a gif of that, right? <laughs> and so like Justin Justin Bohr this year took the extra base 6% of the time, which is like uh, maybe the lowest ever. He had, what was it? He had, uh, well, anyway, this is, see, this is boring. well when i've looked it up like i've looked up like a oh billy butler when he would make a bunch of outs at home in one year same same kind of idea like here here are really negatively valuable plays that this person was involved in and then almost invariably you look at like wow billy butler made eight outs at home and then you look him up and he's like oh uh, in this one he was just barely out in this yeah. one, he was, what a great play. He was just barely out. In this one, oh, he shouldn't have gone, but that was probably the third base coach. Oh, this sucks. This is a bad yeah. article. And now I'm just exactly. making, it's basically like fat shaming Billy Butler with a bunch of gifs of him almost being safe at home. Like, so it just ends up, I, we're in the same place. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you what had else a couple of candidates, Red Sox. Yeah. I, I mean, one of them is just the Red Sox, basically. Yeah. Just <laughs> that they were really good. They won 108 games. Then they had a really tough slate of playoff opponents, and they won the World Series. And they can be remembered, at least superficially, as one of the very best teams of all time. And then you also had, as a single play, the Mookie non-catch fan interference on what would have been a Jose Altuve home run, which... Maybe could have swung the series. Who knows? We'll never know. But the Astros actually outhit the Red Sox in that series, and they lost. And that was one of the reasons that they lost. So that play, and uh, you also had, I guess, that 
catch, the Benintendi catch framed in front of the Fenway Park scoreboard. I didn't. No, 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 oh. no, no. I used that. I used the Benintendi catch frame as a as a reason that it's conceivable that we could remember the Orioles finishing sixty one games behind. Oh. Okay, but, all right. Yeah, the Benintendi catch itself is not going to. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That. But image, I, I also didn't but... really. The the Orioles is not really a serious contender either, though. Mm-hmm. So Red Sox. Yeah. I I mean, for me, unlike ninety nine percent of fans that discount the quality of the Red Sox slightly just because coming into the playoffs we didn't think they were even the best team in baseball probably right and I still kind of think that and they just in terms of results are and are one of the best teams of all time and that is how most people will remember them for me personally it's just it knocks them down a peg to like a really really great team but not all time that I would remember them for being the best of all time, but many other people will remember them that way. Yeah, I drew the distinction, which I did. I didn't. I don't really know how to. Con- I I still don't even know whether it's an, a meaningful distinction, and I I certainly don't think that I've conveyed it particularly well. But the distinction between the best team of all time and the most successful team of all time, and uh-huh. usually, I think that usually when we talk about most successful, like the be- they all won the World Series, right? Every World Series team is equally the World Series winner, and mm-hmm. so maybe there's no distinction. And so usually we talk about the most successful as in terms of dynasties or in terms of multi-year runs. And so maybe it takes that for the Red Sox to rise above. But I think if you're talking one team, one season, success, not true talent, I think that you could make the case that the Red Sox had, you know, maybe the greatest, most, maybe the most enjoyable season ever, maybe the most successful. (laughs) That postseason run was outrageous, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the teams they had to beat were so good. Every one of those three teams, it's very possible that the Astros, you know, won the World Series last year. It's very possible that the same core of the Dodgers could win it this next year and the same core of the Yankees could win it the year after. And the Red Sox just plowed through them and they won 108 games. They basically never had a bad a bad day. They never had a, I don't think they ever, what did they have, like one three game losing streak all season or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they had, you know, they were good. They were incredibly good. It was a great season. You know, probably the best Red Sox team ever, or the most successful Red Sox team ever. Anyway, so mm-hmm. the Red Sox it seems plausible. 108 wins is a lot of wins. You know, we take it for granted that there are a lot of teams out there that win more than 108 wins, but there aren't. <laughs> right. And the other one you brought up, which I think we may have briefly mentioned on that previous episode, is the opener and the breakdown in pitcher roles and. It's a possibility. I kind of hope it's not that because the opener, it was fun for a while. And then you realize it probably doesn't really help all that much. And it's just it's almost symbolic more than it is actually changing the way that games go or or at least who wins the game. So I don't know. It's kind of an an academic sort of thing. It's like a, a bellwether. It's an indicator of a larger process that is ongoing and that is accelerating and 2018 was probably important in that process and pivotal, but it seems to me like that would not be a great defining memory for a year, just using a reliever first. (laughs) Well, you believe, though, you believe that in your heart of hearts that in 50 years, there's not really going to be a distinction between starters and relievers, right? Yeah, probably not. No, other than maybe some, some specific guys who are incredible. And it is clear that this was the year that that became a viable trend on a team-wide scale over the course of a full mm-hmm. season. Yeah, and, and so was in the same way that nineteen 19- by everyone really quickly. 
Right. So in the same way that Bruce Souter is remembered in the sea of closers as like a significant year in the closer era, in the same way that 1988 is remembered as a significant year in bullpen specialization because of, you know, La Russa and Rick Honeycutt and Dennis Eckersley and, and various other ways that pitcher usage has, uh, has had pivotal moments. I think that this is the this is probably the year that people will isolate and that they'll write saber articles about when the starter is all the way gone in 50 years. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can fast forward. We've covered almost everything, but let's get to what all right. we actually so chose. My answer is uh, is that I think that it will be the year of the Supreme Court ruling that basically made uh, gambling legal in every state that chooses to make it legal. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah. And and it might not be. It might end up being a footnote. It might not. Maybe most states will uh, ultimately not make it legal, or maybe it won't be a popular gambling sport. But the visions that various writers have laid out, which seem credible to me, of a world in which you can bet on whether Daniel Descalso hits a triple and the whole game is uh, filtered through this sort of ongoing opportunity to bet. It feels to me like uh, in 50 or 100 years, uh, it's quite possible that baseball will be primarily a gambling sport, a gambling venue, and that that will just so change the way that we relate to baseball as a reason to turn it on and that it will so change the audience for who watches it and that it might be seen as what saved the game financially and it might be seen as what ruined the game you know culturally or or not in both of those cases i really have no idea but mm-hmm. uh as a as a business moment for the sport it feels like it's right up there with the antitrust exemption and the you know kurt flood ruling and free agency as uh, and maybe as maybe the Dodgers and Giants going west as like kind of sport defining uh, moments that maybe weren't even seen as that obviously sport defining it at the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's possible. I don't know how it will play out either. And I mean, there's I guess a couple quibbles or things that might suggest to me that it won't be, which is that. A, I guess it's it's not just a baseball thing. It's like every sport. It's everything, right? So maybe it won't be remembered as a specifically baseball thing. I guess if you're a baseball person, you will remember it that way. But maybe it won't be like baseball's gambling era because it's just every sport. It's everything's gambling era. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it will affect the way that people like us consume baseball None of us is a a betting person, a gambling person. You have your Bryce Harper 50 homers bet, and that lasts forever, and that's kind of it. And none of us actually gamble on baseball or bet on baseball in the ways that we could have before. And so for us, I don't know. Will it actually change the game on the field, or will it just change stuff around the game on the field? Which wouldn't disqualify it, because if it just totally changes how other people consume the sport and how it's presented, then it could definitely qualify without actually changing things in game. Yeah, I, it it won't change for you and me specifically because you and me mm-hmm. specifically already exist. But I uh, have this theory that I've kind of, I mentioned when I was uh, on for the Rob Nyer episode not long ago, which is that I think we watch because we have adopted the reasons that other people watch. I watch because my dad watched and he got something out of the game. And as a six and seven year old, I adopted 
the same sport and got some of the same things out of it. And I think if you have a critical mass of people who watch the game for one reason, then the game becomes that thing for every inquisitive shopper. And so uh, if it becomes primarily a, a, a gambling sport, I mean, there will always be people who watch it for whatever their own personal reasons are. But as a cultural thing, as, a, as, a, as something that appeals to hundreds of millions of people, like what it means in the culture becomes defined kind of by the largest contingent of people uh, and by the largest interest group, I guess, that gets it. And that has, in baseball, that has always been, uh, you know, it's the pastime. It's the, it has existed as a pastime. And if the cultural sort of meaning of baseball becomes something different, um, then uh, I think that it affects who, who adopts it, who picks it up and, and why they do it. I think to some degree, what something means to us is not really our decision. It means to us what we see it mean to other people. We're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're pack animals. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Should we move on to the draft? Yeah, sure. Okay. Wait, I want Jeff's yeah. answer. Jeff, what's your pick? <laughs> oh, I've been doing minor league free agent draft prep <laughs> almost this entire time while you've been talking because I figured you would bet we're doing such a good job. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so you'll remember 2018 by your prep for the minor league free agent draft. I probably will. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all possible answers. For me, I'm sure it will be Otani and I kind of hope that it will be Otani for everyone, but Wade LeBlanc, the Wade LeBlanc year. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, Otani is the easy pick. I think it's sixty percent for me personally. I think it's going to end up being Otani, and then I think that I don't know exactly what's going to happen with the opener, just in terms of because uh, the Rays probably aren't going to use it so much next year as as they did this year because now they have starting pitchers, and and I think teams are more likely to just kind of shorten starting assignments as opposed to kind of flip-flop and do the whole reliever first thing more often moving forward. So you're right that down the road, the roles are going to look almost one and the same. But I think that this will be also remembered as a year where the opener took off and then kind of went into hiding for a little bit. It'll still exist and it'll be there in in 2019. A bunch of teams are going to do it. But I think in, in 2018, people will remember that the Rays had a really, really effective pitching staff, even though they didn't pitch like anybody else. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. that in, do you think that more people in, in you know, what, let's say that this does, in, in 50 years, let's say people do remember this year as being a significant year for, for the opener or for bullpenning or for whatever these may Do you think that the Rays or the Brewers will be the more lasting memory? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rays. Uh-huh. I will go with the Rays because, uh, I mean, the Brewers took it, to the playoffs right and and they there was all the all the hater talk hater talk dominated the playoffs but hater talk was basically just andrew miller talk just repackaged yeah, yeah. but the wood i mean woodruff talk though and you know i mean <laughs> there's it, i don't think brandon woodruff is going to be remembered i don't period. think that I, i'm not saying that that woodruff specifically will be but the rays didn't make the playoffs and they did the a's you know, were they, the first team to to do it in the playoffs the, that's true well for one game though the brewers yeah. did it for most and of the series work. And, yeah, and well, they got you know they got close. They they almost did. They almost the Brewers. This little scrappy Brewers team almost made it to the World Series with a you know sixty percent bullpenning plan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The Brewers and the That's A's fair. were just all about bullpen this year, and they just rode their bullpens all the way to where they got. But I think the Rays still probably are more memorable just because they had the branding, like they had the catchphrase, the yeah. opener. It's I agree. easy to remember. Yeah. All right, so minor league free agent draft. We are drafting from a list provided by Baseball America and provided to Baseball America by MLB. 
It is, uh, what, 520 guys this year who are minor league free agents and not everyone qualifies for this. And it's always kind of confusing about who is and who isn't. So we are working from this specific list. And again, this is not just guys who signed minor league deals. This is minor league free agents, which is a specific sort of free agent. So I don't know how we decide who goes first here. Last year, we took 10 names each. I have a random number generator up. And if you wanted, what we could do is Ben, you could be one because uh, B is first and Jeff could be two and Sam could be three. And then I could just generate a a sequence of one to three. I think I think credit should go. I think that so Sam won and then Ben was second and then I was a distant third. (laughs) I think something should be done with that. Well, so (laughs) do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to reward me for bad performance or do you want to reward (laughs) Sam for good performance? I don't see why one is better than the other so maybe we should do the random number generator all right here we go i'm going i'm going i'm gonna just press three quick times i'm gonna just spit them out okay before i can even process ready all right three 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 two and then of course one's gonna be next three two one Uh uh-huh okay what did that do for us (laughs) so So sam goes first jeff goes second ben goes third same as uh same as last year no yeah i don't know but I'll just I'll preface this by saying I've never felt less prepared for a minor league free agent draft. I know you guys just don't even try to prepare often, yeah. but I I'm a preparer and I I come into this thing with voluminous notes and spreadsheets usually, but this year oh. I was deprived of a couple of my resources because I was going to say I cuz cuz you know, over the last few years uh uh, Chris Mitchell published a yes. Cato Guide to Minor League Free Agents, right. and and Ben was reading that before I was, and <laughs> I think that was always crucial for him. And then last year, I also read it, and so then Jeff got left behind. And Chris <laughs> Mitchell is no longer publishing Cato publicly, and I right. actually wondered whether Ben would be able to convince him <laughs> to, give, <laughs> to give it. And so the fact that Ben is so stressed out right now <laughs> is encouraging to me. I didn't think to ask. I should have. Maybe he would have privately provided those. But yeah, not only is Chris working for a team somewhere and giving those things to them, but also Baseball America used to publish a tracker that was kind of confusing because it would have guys who weren't on the other list and we would get screwed up with that sometimes, but it would tell you who had signed a major league contract. It would have like a little asterisk next to the names of major league contract guys. And I always felt like that was something to target guys who had a major league deal. And now I'm just flying blind here. So can I, 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 can I say something? Can I interrupt? Yeah. You're, sure. You're on a schedule. You got a tight schedule, and we haven't even started drafting yet. What are we doing? <laughs> okay, we got to start. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Sims, go ahead first. I I don't know what I'm doing here, but I also don't know whether thinking I knew something before actually helped me in any way. So here we go. All right, my first pick. I think that there's only one pick that I'm extremely passionate about, and so I'm glad that I won it. Okay. It's it is Dylan Moore. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel like an idiot. <laughs> Dylan Moore. Uh, Dylan Moore was. Oh, I'll tell you why Dylan Moore is at the top. It's not just because he, he seems like he's good, but Dylan Moore uh, signed a major league contract with the Mariners almost almost immediately after the um, off season began. And hmm. I've told you before that part of my. Uh, Part of my thinking on these things is that something that Jerry Depoto once told me that minor league free agents, unlike major league free agents, as soon as free agency begins, you actually do get on the phone with them like right away because mm-hmm. you want 
like you're trying to communicate to them how much they mean to you. Like that's the main currency that you have when you're signing a minor league free agency is like, I'm the team that loves you. And so you're going to get a real chance to play. And so Dylan Moore was one of the very first minor league free agents who signed by that very same Jerry DePoto. And then he was traded. No, uh, and then, <laughs> then, no, uh, but not only was he signed, but he signed a major league deal. He is not currently listed on the Mariners depth chart, which is a real problem. But that's probably only because they ran out of ink because Dylan Moore plays every position. Last year, he played first base, second base, third base, shortstop, left field, center field. So he can't play right. That's probably a problem. But no, uh, he was in uh, the Brewer system. He played uh, in double and triple A. He's 25 years old. And uh, in mostly triple A, he hit 299, 363, 522 with 14 homers and 23 steals playing every position primarily middle infield he is like uh i mean you know that he's he is two good games away from having you know zobrist profiles being written about him Mm -hmm. as a mariner and uh he's got a major league deal and so that's just so easy that's that's, it's free money for me yeah, good pick. Not even on my list because of how unprepared I am. He also, <laughs> if I if I could, you guys, I was looking at his Twitter feed to figure out uh, who he is, and um, it's nothing interesting. It's standard baseball stuff. But there was this one, which I had never seen before, and it really is incredible. It is uh, a tweet. Probably a lot of people saw it because this video has been viewed 847,000 times. But it is a tweet from the World Series uh, celebration in the clubhouse. And the tweet simply says, give Mitch Moreland a gold glove. And it shows people casually tossing beers to Mitch Moreland, who's <laughs> catching them. And it grows on you. It's uh, like you don't you think you get it. And then it just keeps coming. And he's really got great hands. And so yeah. I enjoyed this tweet a lot. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Oh, it's my th- I must have misunderstood the order. That's perfect. So I guess I'll uh, I'll stick with the theme of minor league free agents who have wound up signing contracts with the Mariners. So I don't know how it's exactly pronounced, but Ruben Alanis, Alanis, yes. Ruben Alanis. Let's uh, let's go with let's go with him because he's a reliever who was a minor league uh, free agent who signed a major league contract with the Mariners. I think he is left-handed. Uh, I can confirm he's that. He's not. In a very short amount of time. <laughs> he's not. He's right It's uh, Okay. Well, it's been confirmed to me, and I can now also confirm Alanis. Alanis. Yeah. Ruben Alanis. He's uh, he's from Texas, and he signed a, a contract with the Mariners, and he's going into his age 28 season, and he came from the Rays organization, and he had, to, you know, he had like a bunch of really good peripherals in, in the high minors. He had strikeouts, not a whole lot of walks. I don't need to explain this. This was my philosophy last year, which led me into... Uh, uh, bronze medal in this very competition. So Ruben Alanis is is my first pick. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. he was with the Rays last year, and you got to figure they just didn't have enough room for a reliever. They didn't need any relievers, so yep. you know he didn't get a chance. <laughs> right. All right. I'm just gonna go with one of the better known players on this list, Terrence Gore, who signed a major That's a contract terrible pick with ben. the Royals. <laughs> ben, you got to be better uh, it might than be. that. I'm I'm telling you I'm not ready for this draft, but I'm going to go for him because, well, A, because he was just on this podcast and I like him and it's fun to root for him. And this is another reason to root for him, but also because he did get a major league contract and there is some chance that the Royals will just figure we're bad and we want to be fun and exciting and actually keep him on the roster, which he wants to do. And 
he's also just kind of a, a gimme for something. Like, I'm almost certainly not going to get shut out with Terrence Gore because he'll come up in September or he'll get traded to a contender and he'll get a few plate appearances. So exactly. I just, I want to get on the board. There a was few. A- yeah, there was a <laughs> probably a early few. on, especially in this draft's history, we did always you wanted to get the the one guaranteed, you know, eight plate appearances from that that would get you from a from a zero. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but boy, your upside. I mean, you took you basically took like Brad Lincoln with your first pick. <laughs> <laughs> My whole draft is is just low upside. Just I'm going for numbers. I'm trying to get a, a high hit rate with a, a low total. I don't know. It's not going to work out well for me. But you're next. <laughs> All right. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that I'm taking the last player who got a major league contract. I think there were more last year, and I think that's part of why last year's was easier. Yeah. But I'm taking Kyle Ryan, who I don't believe. Uh, let's see, Kyle Ryan uh, is a is a lefty, and he uh, signed a major league contract with the Cubs. Uh, and as we talked about last year, and Joe Madden's bullpen magic, which nobody's gonna get that callback, so never mind. <laughs> All right, Kyle Ryan has been a Detroit Tiger for most of his career. He is 27 years old, former 12th round pick, has appeared in the majors four years in a row. Uh, and has a 3.87 career ERA uh, in the majors with absolutely nothing else to recommend him. He has very low strikeout rates, and I meant to look up whether he's uh, good um, <laughs> uh, other than that uh, how did you find kyle Wright? how did you learn that he had signed a major league contract i went to the mlb transactions log and then i just looked at every transaction that had signed a free agent deal uh-huh. that didn't wasn't followed with to a minor league deal uh-huh. and he was he was one of the ones that was signed to a free agent signed as a free agent that wasn't to a minor league deal I see. And I guess he actually, I don't know, maybe the, I might have some of this wrong because I guess he was in the Cubs system last year. So maybe they just re-signed him to a, a major league deal, but he was he was good last year. So I, if I'd done more research, I might have picked him first because actually I only knew about his pretty bad Tiger stuff. Last year in AAA, uh, as a swingman, he, he started eight games and relieved in 14. 2.86 ERA, almost a strikeout per inning, more than a three to one strikeout to walk rate as a lefty, and uh, and he's tall. <laughs> okay, Jeff, I will take with my second pick Harold Ramirez. Harold Ramirez mm. is 24 years old. He is a former top 100 prospect. Uh, last season in Double A with Toronto, he was much better than he had been the season before. And this winter, he's been one of the few players in Venezuela who's hit better than Williams Estadio. He mm. uh, and maybe most importantly, he signed a minor league contract, but he signed that contract with the Marlins, whose outfield is just oh. absolutely dreadful. <laughs> they oh. suck. They're real bad. Do you know who Austin Dean is? Because he's a starter yes. right now for I the Marlins. Do. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, I think Harold Ramirez, he's, he's a corner outfielder. He's played three games in center in Venezuela, but the, the Marlins pulled him out of Venezuela. They don't want him to be there or something, so he's not there anymore. And this this winter, I don't know if it means anything, but he had 19 walks and 20 strikeouts. Maybe something clicks for Harold Ramirez, so I'm I'm taking him. He hit, <laughs> he hit, he hit 381, 459, 556 in Venezuela. And last year in AA, he hit 320. 365, 471, and he's only 23. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's, he's twenty four now. now. This will be his twenty age twenty four season, and uh, you know he's made a couple appearances in center field. Although he's he's very he's five ten two twenty, <laughs> but yeah, how did they, how is this guy a minor league free agent? That's wild. I mean, yeah. you, not a lot of twenty three and twenty four year olds on a very few twenty four year olds on this list. This mm-hmm. is this is interesting. Yeah, good pick. That's a good. Right. That's a very good pick. Sixteen steals and eighteen tries last year. So I am going to take another twenty four year old, Kieran Lovegrove, who is a right handed reliever. He was in the Indian system. He is now a giant. He actually played in the Futures game. He was on the world team in the 2018 Futures game. He's from South Africa. He is the official minor leaguer of Cespedes Family Barbecue. And when Farhan Zaidi signed him, he said he's a terrific arm, a terrific prospect. He said there was a lot of competition for him, which sounded encouraging. So he has not been in the majors yet, but I'm hoping that this will be the year and Giants will probably be pretty bad, so maybe he will break through. I've never known his first name to be a name or his last name to be a name, so I like this. <laughs> this one is interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. Six right. four one eighty or six four two eighty. Six four one eighty five. I see yeah. a baseball reference. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you. All right, I am going to pick. Uh, let's see. I got it now. I'm thinking strategically. I think I can wait around on him. Uh, <laughs> I'll take, uh, here's my safety pick. I'll take Zach McAllister, hmm. who okay. is, I don't know, he's maybe the closest thing to a Wade LeBlanc. I mean, the, Zach McAllister has been, in, in that he is always in the majors. He's never, he's not He's not a guy who's been up and down. He, he spends all the time in the major leagues and somehow ended up on a minor league free agents list because the Dodgers acquired him, what, I think maybe even in September last year, or was it August? It was, yeah, it was late August. And uh, and then he sent him to the minors as probably bullpen insurance. And so then he ended up in the minors. But McAllister, a year before that, was excellent as a Cleveland Indians reliever and really had been very good as a reliever for three years after his conversion. And then last year he was bad, but um, it didn't all fall apart on him. It's not like he totally collapsed. He had a, a collapse ERA, but sort of just a bad FIP. And he's Zach McAllister. He's 30 years old. There's no reason to think that uh, he's definitely done. So safe, boring pick. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was going to be my next pick. So I think that you timed this well. Uh, I was going to choose him for all the same reasons. So I uh, I guess with my third pick, I'm going to take Luke Bard, who's just a you know he's a he's a dude. He was he's a reliever. He was I think he wound up with the Angels out of the Rule Five draft last year but if there's one i haven't confirmed this to be true but leaning on my own memory i think i recall him having like an extremely high spin something high spin fastball high spin curveball maybe both uh maybe neither but hopefully one uh so i'm going to take luke bard just on the basis of someone is going to track man his minor league numbers and be like yeah this guy he's got a high spin thing so let's give him 30 innings and, and see if he doesn't allow too many dingers so luke bard all right i am going to take devin marrero who is a, another Marlins guy. Good good reason to pick people. Devin Marrero has been in the majors the past four years for some amount of time. He can play shortstop. He's a utility guy. He was with the Diamondbacks. He's now with the Marlins, and he is also a Miami native for whatever that's worth. I don't know if it's worth anything, but maybe that gets him a few plate appearances. So banking on the Marlins continuing to need bodies, and his body has been in the big leagues lately. <laughs> Wait, which Marrero? I'm sorry, it was Devin Marrero? Yes. Yeah, Devin Marrero. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Uh, all right. What are we on round? We're going fast. Ben's got to go. Yeah. Round four. Mm-hmm. I will take. I'm going to take this guy named Ryan Court. Ryan Court has never appeared in the major leagues, and I should have waited until the tenth round. But Ben's <laughs> got to go. We're going fast, and I didn't have time to to think that hard. <laughs> Ryan strategic Court. Strategic advantage for me to rush you. He's 30 years old. He's uh he's 30 years old. This is not a good pick. Uh, he's 30 years old. <laughs> he uh, He's another utility guy. He was in the Cubs system last year. He, he spent the whole year at AAA Iowa, played first, second, third, short, and uh, eh, that was basically it. Mostly shortstop, though. And before that, the Red Sox, same thing, mostly shortstop in AAA. And I read a, a heartwarming article that was written last summer when he was playing quite well in Iowa when he said that he signed – he was a – Cubs fan growing up and when the Cubs called him and offered him a deal it felt like a sign because he realized that he would have the chance to make his major league debut with the team that he had grown up rooting for and he was playing really well and it seemed like he might get a chance and that article was uplifting at the time and really depressing in December because <laughs> he did not and now he's a minor league free agent unsigned but he uh, was the second best hitter in the Dominican Winter League this year. Besides hitting well last year, besides playing well last year, he's a good he's a good ball player. I mean, he's a he's like a high 700s OPS guy in AAA as a middle infielder who can you know do a little bit of everything. And so in the Dominican Winter League, he hit 372. He had the second best uh, OPS in that Winter League. And uh, so uh, you know I, I'm there with him. Ryan yeah. Court. Ryan Court <laughs> is his name. better than you initially sold it as. Okay. All right, Jeff. Brandon Brennan, who I'm a little confused, but so be it. Brandon Brennan was signed by the Rockies, I think, as a minor league free agent, but then he wound up being selected in the Rule 5 draft, which was surprising. He wound up with the Mariners with like the 13th pick or something. I don't know how all of it worked. Wait, so wait. So they didn't want him when it all they had to do was give him a minor league deal. But when it cost them $50,000 and they had to keep him on the major league roster for the whole year, he couldn't, he was, they couldn't pass him up. At that price, <laughs> it's like if you if you have like an item that's if you have it in Goodwill and it's like oh this is this costs three dollars at Goodwill I don't want this for three dollars at Goodwill right. wait this costs fifteen dollars at Goodwill <laughs> I want this from Goodwill I don't I, let me let me confirm that this is exactly the sequence. Brandon Brennan. Let's check out the road. The Rockies had just signed to Brennan, a longtime White Sox prospect, to a minor league deal last month. This was written in December, so we signed to a minor league deal on November 29th. But then the Mariners selected him. I don't understand. Well, I guess they... The 40 man... Look, I don't know. But the important thing is that I'm taking him. He is mine. He is mine and he is the Mariners. He was selected. What does it mean to be drafted 13th in the Rule 5 draft? How low are the... Whatever. I'm taking him because the Mariners are bad. All right. Sticking with my theme of low upside safety picks or perceived safety picks, I'm going with Kelby Tomlinson, who was a Giants second baseman and utility guy. He is now a Diamondbacks second baseman and utility guy. And he's had at least 120 plate appearances in the majors in each of the past four years, and generally more than that. And that's uh, that's serious money when we're talking about minor league free agent drafts. That's not just a smattering of plate appearances. 120, that can make a big difference. So I'm going to bank on that pattern continuing. Kelby Tomlinson, just generic infielder utility type. He was on my list for all those reasons. And yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe something happens in Arizona 
but OPS in his four Not years good. as a major, progressive, <laughs> progressively, <best>. 760, <laughs> 700, 640, 530. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not a great direction to go, but yeah. All right. Wow. That's so boring. <laughs> yeah. My picks are very boring this year, yeah, except for Terrence Gore and Kieran Lovegrove, but continue. Uh, do you know, I'm looking to see if Tomlinson made the depth chart. I couldn't find the gold standard for a pick is somebody on a major league depth chart. And I couldn't find a player on a depth <laughs> chart. And maybe yeah. it's it, it's conceivable. Do you remember when we did this draft last year? Because maybe last year we did it later, closer to the season. Maybe there's more updates that happen. But look it, it, up. it was hard. It's hard to find. <laughs> yeah, it was. All right, I'll look that up. Who's your next pick? I'm going to take Hunter Cervenka, who is a, a relief pitcher who, well, I, geez, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to, Let's see. If I say anything, I'm going to give him a... I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, the the, the Cardinals signed a, a bunch of minor league free agents on the same day, I think. And the Cardinals uh, seem like a team... I don't know why, but in my head, they're a team that does good at this sort of... at, at this part of the game. <laughs> and so Cervenka has uh, has appeared briefly in the majors, but he had an odd 2018 year. So he's a, he's a reliever. He's a left-handed reliever. <laughs> 61145 or 61245 uh 61245 reliever who has only appeared very briefly in the majors but so last year he played for Triple A Toledo for Detroit and he was good he he had 27 innings 31 strikeouts 2.36 ERA that's all really good stuff he also was in Sugarland, which, uh, as we know, is the the premier independent league team where many a player has gone to prove that he can get good good hitters out. It's something like between double and triple A, I think, uh, or so. And uh, he had a 1.53 ERA, 21 strikeouts, two walks. All of that was a, a really good year against a pretty high-level competition. And uh, so that's why Hunter Cervenka is my pick. He then, uh, by the way, sorry, I forgot. He also then went to Venezuela, where he had a 1.7 RA in the Winter League, although the peripherals aren't as good. And then he got signed by the Cardinals, and so I picked him. We did the last minor league free agent draft on January 22nd, so it was later in the offseason, although we have done it in December, and we've done it in November even in previous years. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jeff? Eric Johnson is going into his age 29 season. He is a former top 100 prospect, according to Baseball America. And in 2017, he missed the year due to Tommy John surgery. And on the other side of Tommy John surgery, he has become a relief pitcher. And so this past season, in the upper levels of the minors, he threw 40 and two-thirds innings, and he had 12 walks and 45 strikeouts. Didn't allow too many runs or homers or any of that stuff. So I think Eric Johnson is back on the healthy path, and he has converted from the rotation into the bullpen. He's not too old. So this seems like about the time he could... uh, He's been in the majors before, and he's been quite terrible at it. But I think this could be his opportunity to be not quite so terrible at it by uh, by working out of the bullpen. I feel like Eric, wasn't Eric Johnson in a big trade at some point? I feel like I know Eric Johnson's name from a big trade. Like I will tell Jake, you exactly Jake, what that big Jake trade Peavy. was. I want to say it was a Jake Peavy trade. Was it a Jake Peavy trade? James Shields, he was traded by the White Sox with Fernando Tatis Jr. for James Shields <laughs> and Cash. Ah, so yes. That, wow. He was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was the guy the Padres actually were excited about getting at the time. And no. <laughs> yeah well, good so, recall. Right. so there was a it was like the jake pv trade like eight years later i remember i padres oh, to the white Sox. That? yeah because there's someone very similar 
in that deal, right? Someone like really interesting pitching prospect. He was just always hurt. And he was coming from the White Sox. Who, the answer of, of who that was is uh, will be revealed to me shortly as I as I look it up. That was Aaron Pareda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's funny as you scan this list of free agents, there are the guys who you just can't believe are still playing, and it's fun to see those names again. And and guys like Mike Olt is on this list, and Alan yeah. Craig is on this list, and Alan Craig had a, actually a good season. He hit really well in AAA. But it's funny how you almost you just know the major leaguers on the list somehow. Like even though yeah. very few of them played prominent roles, I'll just like know a name and I'll yeah. think, oh, that guy's a big leaguer. I couldn't tell you when or where or for how long, and I'll look him up, and it's like he had fifty plate appearances somewhere and didn't do anything. But somehow he just has like his name has the aura of major leagues in my mind. So I must have just seen it and remembered it at some point. Question for the panel, because I was looking at that old Jake Peavy trade, and it also involved Clayton Richard, which I was surprised by. How many innings do you think Clayton Richard has thrown in his career for the Padres? For the Padres? Has yeah. he ever played anywhere else? Yes. He's just All right, so he's been with the Padres for like eight years or something. I would guess that he has thrown um, 1,118 innings for the Padres. Okay, well, now this game is less interesting because you actually overshot. So what was the point you were going to make when I interrupted you? Well, uh, Ben, uh, you mentioned that there are one of the fun parts of this game is that uh, you see names that you can't believe he's he's still playing, and you mentioned mm-hmm. Alan Craig. And I actually have a little note in here to mention that that I uh, that is a familiar feeling that we talk about every year. But this year I mm-hmm. noticed the other feeling, which is that you see a name of a guy that you think has been playing like you see a name and you think, wait a minute, he played six hundred. He had six hundred plate appearances last year, and then you look yeah. him up and you realize he hasn't played since twenty fourteen. And <laughs> like you swear that you see that you swear you've been dealing with this guy in your life every day for the last four years, and he's been gone every day for the last four years. And I actually wrote Alan Craig as my example uh-huh. of I can't believe he's been gone since twenty fifteen. Ruben huh. Tejada is the other one. Yeah, how did we not? Well, how did we not see Ruben Tejada last year? Do you guys remember right. not seeing Ruben Tejada? Because I don't. <laughs> no, I actually looked him up because that ended a streak of him being in the big leagues for a really long time. Same with like Emilio Bonifacio, who was always a, a safe pick in this draft. And his streak came to an end, as it always does eventually. All right. For my next pick, I am going to take Jake Patrika who is uh, another one of those guys. He's been in the big leagues six years in a row. He actually pitched 45 and two-thirds innings this year for the Blue Jays, and uh, he's only 30. I think he's still unsigned. If he has been signed, I've missed it, so that's kind of concerning. But he has been pitching not particularly well, but he's been pitching okay, and he's been getting some time, so... I'm just hoping that that continues. My draft is pretty boring this year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What are we, halfway? Yeah. You guys have not. I've got five. You guys have have almost, you haven't named, I think Jeff picked one player that was on my list, Ruben Alanis. Yeah. And otherwise, I guess Kelby Tomlinson was low on my list. You know, the other Mm -hmm. other thing about this is that uh, you start, I don't know how you guys create your list, but here's the most humbling thing that can happen to you as a baseball player is, so... I start my list and I like I start with this list of like five thousand names and the like the third one I see is Neftali Feliz and I think, ah, yeah. I'll write yeah. him down. <laughs> and then the next guy I see who I write down, I go, ahead of or below Neftali Feliz? And you can put ahead of and at the end of this I have forty five names and Neftali Feliz is the last. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it's like to be the 2011 Rookie of the Year. Uh, 2009, 2010, 2011. What year was he the Rookie of the Year? Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> all right. I'll all right. take. Uh, well, I'm worried that now I have to pick my boring picks, or else Ben's going to take my boring picks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'll take uh, Vidal Nuno. Nuno. Mm-hmm. Nuno. Is there an Nuno? Nuno? Yeah, there's an Nuno. There Nuno. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, Nuno pitched for the Rays last year. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Mm-mm. Do you know what his ERA was, Ben? Uh uh-uh. uh. Jeff? No. Guess. Zero. Ben. <laughs> he pitched 33 innings, by the way. Oh, no. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> 2.2. 8. 1.6. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> he threw 33 innings with a 1.64 ERA. He had 29 strikeouts and only seven unintentional walks, which wow. you can do the yeah, math. Picking the Pretty good. Yeah. And uh, he did give up 5,000 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> also a shot. Yeah. Um, and uh, he also was in, uh, he also started for the Rays in uh, in AAA and was, was also very good. In fact, as a AAA starter, 37 strikeouts, three walks. Whew. Wow. All right. Yeah. Good pick. So there you go. Yeah. Easy peasy. It's yeah. free money right there, too. Free money. Okay. All right. Jeff? That's good. Player that I will take is Asher Wojciechowski. Is there, please help, baseball reference? But I don't know. Is that what it is? Him. Probably. I'm going to take him. Yeah. Uh, Asher, it's not. It still counts if I don't pronounce his last name right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Asher, I'm. Th- I'm going to take Woj. I'm going to take Woj because uh, <laughs> this this past year in the minors he was super good. I've seen him in the past when I would do like pitch comp stuff for for pitch styles. He has like a really interesting, big, huge breaking ball, and it probably spins a bunch. And I think that it uh, it's it's time. He was he was really good. Like as a starter in the upper levels of the minors this past season, he threw a bunch of strikes. He missed a bunch of bats. He probably has a platoon split, and when he's been in the majors, he's allowed just like dinger after dinger after dinger there's probably something about him that's bad but i think it'll take some team this year like 30 innings to figure that out so i'm gonna i'm gonna take him <laughs> okay. i got some bad news about vidal nuno uh-oh uh-oh just a little bit of research might have helped <laughs> <laughs> well he uh he was injured sometime in the in the summer and then he didn't pitch again in the summer and now he is listed as a pitcher for the Torres de Tijuana of the Mexican League and there's no hmm. reason that I don't I don't know why I mean there's no reason to think that he would uh, I don't know well I don't know he might be re- he might be rehabbing or something he might be hurt we'll see mm-hmm. yeah All he's right. a well, free agency and he's probably just playing winter ball that's not so bad. Is that is the is the tor- well so it doesn't say the Mexican winter league though. Yeah, mm. that's hmm. Well, he might not finish the season with them. So, mm-hmm. all right. Oh, by the way, it's a it's Wojciechowski. Wojciechowski. Asher Wojciechowski is officially my pick. His Twitter name is Asher Wojo. So, yeah, I think even he knows. Yeah. All right. This is not a safe pick, I guess, but I'm going to go with Kyle Zimmer, who is, of course, the yeah. former fifth overall pick, Royals yeah. guy, still a Royals guy. I went out to Driveline Baseball, the training facility in Seattle this summer mm. to do book stuff, and Kyle Zimmer was there, oh. and he was doing weighted ball work, and he was on the comeback trail, and I think he ended up going back to the Royals at the end of the season, and he said he was throwing pain-free for the first time in years. We'll see if that lasts and whether he can be one of these Driveline salvage guys and career transformation people, and 
I hope so. And uh, the Royals should be bad and have bad pitching. So if he's healthy and good at all, he should get a shot. I think if there's one thing Kyle Zimmer needed, it was a heavier baseball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was uh, he was high on my list. That's the first pick that I uh, that you've made that has has bummed me out. Ben. He was high okay. on your list. You drafted Ryan Court in the fourth round. <laughs> well, hi. I have probably I have probably fourteen guys that I would re- that I would take, and uh-huh. uh, so far only two of them are gone. And so now he's the second one of those two. Um, okay. But yeah, there was an one. article written about him being at driveline that yeah. I thought might cost me because that his name mm-hmm. shows up. When you Google most of these guys' yeah. names, you Saw do not myself. find... Re- usually on the when, ground reporting. Generally speaking, when you Google these players' names, you find a hockey player's name <laughs> instead, <laughs> or you find an actress on a CBS show um, who has the same name. It, but when you Google Kyle Zimmer, you get A, a profile of how he's working out at Driveline, B, quote about how he feels better than he has in years. C, yeah. how he's throwing 93 to 95 easily. Yep. And D, a, <laughs> Kansas City, a Kansas City star <laughs> columnist being asked if he can make the rotation. And so uh, <laughs> so it's not a good – you're not going to slip Kyle Zimmer into the movie theater without the usher noticing is what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> Felt like I had something else to say, but I don't know what it is. All right. Okay. Nuno hasn't pitched in <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take because I don't know. I in the in the genre of uh, former top Royals pitching prospects, I guess I'm going to take John Lamb. Okay. Hmm. And John Lamb actually was uh, recommended to me by a uh, an advisor in this draft last year. The advisor failed. <laughs> to come through this year <laughs> texted me about a minute and a half ago saying uh, is it too late <laughs> and it was but i didn't pick lamb last year and he did uh, he pitched 10 innings in the majors 50 batters uh, which would have because i had a record setting year would have actually lowered my average <laughs> 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 but he uh he pitched really well in triple a he didn't okay. pitch well in the majors but he uh in a very short time three three starts but he pitched really well in triple a as a starter at salt lake which is at altitude which is one of the three or four toughest places to pitch in the world he had a 3.44 era he struck out 54 in 50 innings he walked only 15 in those 50 innings he's still only 27 years old well he's now 28 he'll be 28 he's left-handed he's tall and he used to be a top uh top 20 prospect for goodness sake and uh you know he's he's been in the majors uh you know he he gets his shots and uh i don't Mm -hmm. think he's signed anywhere yet uh but um he will all right jeff uh let's uh let's take rookie davis i guess rookie davis is out there he is a He's going to be 26 in April. What's up? <laughs> I, just, I just like that all you, all you had to say was Ricky Davis is out there. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky Davis. Okay, here's Ricky Davis. He was a, you know, he was he, he made the majors with the Reds in 2017. His ERA was almost nine, so that's bad. He, uh, but he made it to the majors, and he was on, like, the usual prospect path, whatever. He was, like, a, a back of the rotation, whatever. And and then he had he had hip surgery. This past season, and he didn't really come back from it very well. And then he was activated from the DL, and then he was outrighted off the roster. He had like a six and a half ERA between levels, but he like, he didn't walk many people, and he had some strikeouts. And I think that he's because he's so young, he'll be recovered from the hip surgery. And I think that uh, wherever he ends up, 
He is he currently is no well he's somewhere but he is nowhere on a roster. But I think he'll you'll uh, he has a chance to get back to the majors because he's been there before. And look, we're in the seventh round of a draft where Ryan Court was the tenth overall selection. So I think that this is not the time to be poking fun. We're all choosing players because they're out there. That is like the number one, provided yeah. they're not Vidal Nuno, who's currently maybe playing in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm down to, I, I now have no no one I actually want to select anymore. Oh, so. wow. I have four. Whoa. I have three or four. I have consolation picks. That's all Fantastic. I got left here. All right. So I am going to take John Birdie. B-E-R-T-I. <laughs> I feel the need to spell that because no one would know otherwise. John Birdie. Spell it again. Spell it again. <laughs> B-E-R-T-I. He made it Birdie. to the Blue Jays <laughs> yeah, for four plate appearances. Uh, or no, four games, 15 plate appearances last September. So he is a big leaguer. And he plays a bunch of positions, I think, mostly infield positions, but has played some outfield. And he had an 897 OPS in AA last year, which is pretty good. He is 28 years old, about to be 29, and he signed with the Marlins. So I am taking another Marlin and hoping he gets more Major League time there. He did smoke the ball last year. I mean, he really did hit the ball, but he was 28 yeah. and in AA, which is a negative indicator. Yeah, well, he made it to the big leagues briefly. Yeah. But what were you about to spoil, Jeff? Well, so I don't, I mean, I feel like maybe I shouldn't say this while we're conducting this draft, but somewhat, the, maybe the weirdest name I've seen, and this is freely, I'll, let me just say, I'm not going to take this player, but you could oh. easily justify it. Santiago Casilla is on this list. Oh, I have him as someone to mention at the end because I have a favorite. <laughs> Santiago Casilla is one of my, he is the possessor of maybe my favorite baseball fun fact. I don't know if it's a fun fact. It's not fun. Uh, but over the last few years, and I just wanted, I have never told anybody yet that I know of and I haven't found the right uh, the right place for it the right platform and I'm gonna tell you guys and you'll be disappointed but so I was gonna mention Santiago Garcia you're right he's here he exists <laughs> yeah he's, he's like out there. he's 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 old yeah he's, yeah he's really he's old in the big leagues for 15 years though <laughs> and yeah. pitched pretty well this year so yeah yeah pick right. him well I probably All should right. yeah all right who's next Sam you're next Sam I'll take, uh, I'm going to take Dilson Herrera. Mm, he's on my list. Dilson Herrera, also former legit prospect, not like a super one, but a, a, a really, you know, like a, a fairly top one, who is only 25 years old. What? Yeah. Still? <laughs> he's actually not. He's only 24. He's still 24. And he's been that age for at least seven years. <laughs> well, he debuted at age 20. And uh, got real playing time. He was uh, he was a, he was a major leaguer at twenty, uh, which is, you don't find on many minor league free agent lists. And he played uh, he played last year for Cincinnati. Uh, played fifty three games uh, for Cincinnati after after spending two years in the minors entirely. And he only hit one eighty four, but he hit one eighty four with with uh, a lot of power in ninety seven plate appearances. He had ten extra base hits, five homers, five doubles. He had a 230 isolated power, mm -hmm. a lot of strikeouts, but, you know, that's a thing. And, yeah. um, and now he's he's back with the Mets, his original organization, I believe. I considered taking him. I probably should have. He doesn't play shortstop, which hurts. If he played shortstop, I think yeah. he'd, he'd be a better bet because he can hit. But yeah. Hit 300, 370, 470 in AAA last year. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, let's pick. 
Uh, let's uh, let's move this along. <laughs> Ariel Hernandez. I'm taking Ariel Hernandez. He uh, he's been in the majors. I believe I wrote a very positive article about him potentially being elite after his major league debut, where he threw like 101 miles per hour and he struck out everybody, and he walks everyone. That's I mean, that's <laughs> you know, each one of those guys counts as a plate appearance in our scoring. Yeah, if right. you can get a guy who consistently walks the bases loaded and gets out of it, that's twice as good as a guy who comes in and gets three up, three down. Ariel Hernandez did the rounds uh, last year. He was interesting enough to be like with the Brewers and and the Dodgers in the minors. And this past season, in affiliated baseball, he walked like 40 batters in 55 in the third innings. So, like, he has a problem. But he throws super, super hard. And he is going to be 27 next year. So this is this is a shot that wherever he ends, I think he's with the Rangers now. And their pitching staff is bad. And they'll have opportunities in their bullpen. And maybe Brandon McCarthy, the, the new pitching advisor, whatever his job title is, will help straighten him out. So Ariel Hernandez, maybe he'll throw enough strikes to get a major league opportunity. Mm-hmm. All right, for my next pick, I am going to take another guy from the former prospect camp, Reimer Liriano. Oh, yeah. Who, of course, uh, had a devastating hit-by-pitch and multiple facial fractures back in 2016, and he has come back from that. He was in the majors in 2017, not for a, a long time, but... He hit pretty well in the minors in 2018. He's 27 years old, and he has played in both the Venezuelan and Dominican Winter Leagues this winter, so he's covering all his bases. I don't know what the story is there. For all I know, he just got kicked out of one or something, but maybe he's trying to play in front of as many people as possible. Anyway, I am hoping that uh, he gets another chance because of his former prospect status and decent hitting in the minors since his injury. Yeah, you got to love a guy who covers all the, the bases. That's, <laughs> yeah, all the winter leagues. All right. Big, yeah. All right, I'm going to take uh, Deolis Guerra, who is mm. another former prospect, but from more than a decade ago. <laughs> Guerra is, in case you've uh, lost track of him, is now 30 years old. Well, he's still 29. And he pitched uh, in the majors for the Angels in 2017 uh, as a reliever. Uh, nothing special, nothing terrible. Uh, mostly, though, he's just been in... You know, in AAA, various AAAs. Last year, in 60 innings, struck out 70 as a part-time starter, part-time reliever. And he was probably the best pitcher in the Venezuelan Winter League this year. 1.5 ERA, 28 strikeouts, and only four unintentional walks. And he signed with the Brewers, who I'm hoping are going to have room for a lot of relievers. 30 years old, top prospect in 2008, made his Major League debut in 2015, and uh, will be a free agent six years from now (laughs) (laughs) all right jeff okay my pick is jairo diaz i'm gonna take jairo diaz Uh uh-huh okay (laughs) he's out there (laughs) all right (laughs) i looked yeah i looked him up (laughs) all right you can all look him up for yourselves if you want to find out more about jairo diaz he pitches all right yeah. Okay. My next pick is going to be Mason Williams, another former top prospect. He's a number 32 Baseball America prospect. And he's actually been in the big leagues the past four years. He got into 51 games with the Reds this year and he hit okay. And he's an outfielder. He can play a little bit of center. Don't know if he's signed. I don't think he is, but he is going to be in his age 27 season. And uh, I 
like enough about him to pick him with what my eighth pick in this draft. So Mason Williams. And I um feeling pressure because of Ben's schedule. I'm picking Clint Coulter without a reason. <laughs> okay. All right. Jeff. Alan Craig. I'll take him. <laughs> all right. Oh, all right. Cool. Yeah. That's that's nice. All right. I will take Ryan Lamar. Ryan uh-huh. Lamar will be my second to last pick. He was in the majors. Wait, did you say second the... to last? Isn't that wait, it? Wait, is this is this that's it? No, no, tenth I round. Have... That was ten. Are you sure? I feel yes. Like... Or wait, we are Let's right. Let's do one You're more. Wrong. One more. One more. One more. <laughs> All right, I'm taking Ryan Lamar because he's been in the big leagues and he was with the White Sox this year and also with the Twins and now he's with the Braves. All right, and my last last pick, round eleven, breaking new ground, is Ryan Merritt. Who mm, yeah. Ryan Merritt? Wild. Okay, this guy. He made the Indians postseason roster in 2017 over three other pitchers who had spent the whole season in the bullpen with ERAs in the twos. He has a career ERA of 1.71 in 32 major league innings, a career ERA of 1.71. He did not pitch in the majors last year. That's how many relievers there are. And that's how little you should trust that 1.71 ERA. (laughs) But as a 26 year old in triple A, he pitched 15 games, started 13 of them. Okay. 13 starts, 71 innings. You ready for this one, guys? Yeah. 52 strikeouts, Whew. two walks. Whoa. <laughs> He's Josh he Tomlin. Hit. Wow. All right. He hits six dudes. Josh Tomlin? He's left. Yeah, he hits six dudes. He, <laughs> he's left-handed Josh Tomlin in Cleveland. I mean, it's going to work. <laughs> All right. Jeff, you got one more? I should have taken Ryan Merritt. I got Josh Lucas. <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay, and uh, you're right. We ha- I have taken ten, so whatever. This one goes to eleven. So for my bonus pick, I will take Santiago Casilla. Can I tell <laughs> you my Santiago? Yes, Casilla. so that you can do the the fun fact. Do All it. All right. So Santiago Casilla from 2014 to 17, four seasons. Here's his ERAs. Okay, 1.7. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just gonna round them up. But 1.7, 2.8, 3.6, 4.3. You see pretty steady progression, right? You see four very different pitchers. One seven, mm-hmm. two eight, three six, four three. Here's Santiago Casilla, those same four years innings pitched. 58, 58, 58, 59. The, baseball is such a weird sport because it has this like there is this hard cap on how much a pitcher can pitch, and there is also this hard floor where we just need so many pitchers. So it does not matter how good you get. You're not going to pitch more than you can pitch. And it really doesn't really matter how bad you get. As long as you're better than Clint Barmas, you're going to pitch those innings. And so he was four wildly different pitchers used exactly the same. Is there any other sport in the world where it doesn't matter how good you are? They're going to use you the exact same amount of the time. I don't know. I only watch one sport. 58, 58, 58, 59. It's crazy. All right. We have done it. We have concluded another minor league draft. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see. We'll be tracking the plate appearance and batter's faced totals. I never actually explained how we win this thing. It's based on who gets the most plate appearances and total batter's faced in the majors. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. So we'll be tallying them up, and uh, they'll be in the spreadsheet where we keep all our drafts and competitions. Sam, thank you. Yep. Thanks. Well, we didn't get a chance to talk about Nelson Cruz signing with the Twins today. Apologies for that, but we had a lot on our plates. He did sign with Minnesota for one guaranteed year for $14 million, and then there's a club option with a buyout for a second year. Definitely did not expect to be in a place where, in late 2018, we would be looking at Nelson Cruz getting $14 million and saying, 
that's quite reasonable, but here we are. I don't remember the specifics of what I said when he signed with Seattle, but I'm sure I was among the chorus criticizing that move, thinking that he would be a shell of his former self by the end of that deal. That did not turn out to be the case. Among regulars for his four years in Seattle, he was a top 10 hitter in baseball, close to a top 5 hitter in baseball. He led the entire major leagues in home runs over that four-year span. Kind of incredible how well he held up. A 147 WRC Plus in more than 2,500 plate appearances with 163 homers. He's going to be 39 in July, so presumably at some point he has to age. Perhaps it will be in 2019, but perhaps not. So he makes the Twins better. Not by himself better enough to catch up to Cleveland, but between Cruz and Crone, they certainly have more power than they had last year. Don't know where Sano fits in. We'll see whether he's able to play the field. Not that he was ever really able to play the field well. Also interesting to note that Cruz will be older than his manager, Rocco Baldelli, in Minnesota, but he has resisted the trend league-wide toward younger players being more productive and older players being less productive. I know some of you will read into that, given his previous suspension, and that's understandable, but one way or another, He hasn't failed a test for years, and he's been a heck of a hitter since then, so you can see why teams wanted him. Evidently, Minnesota won the bidding war over Tampa Bay and Houston. I don't know if it came down solely to money or whether there were other considerations involved. Anyway, that's one more notable transaction under the wire in 2018. You can support the podcast in 2019 and hopefully beyond by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. The following five listeners have already done so. Bob Sterner, Joseph P., Andy Carl, Jennifer Dow, and Tom Dwyer, thanks to all of you. And if this is the last episode of 2018 for us, which it may be, I'm not sure what our recording schedule will be like next week, I thank you all for supporting us yet again. This podcast started in summer 2012, so we turned six this year and kept on going, and it would not have happened if not for your support, both in terms of appreciation and emails and feedback, and in terms of finances. Patreon has allowed me to keep doing this podcast through multiple job changes and I'm very happy that that's the case. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Effectively Wild, and you can rate and review and subscribe to Effectively Wild on iTunes and other podcast platforms. Please keep your questions and comments coming for me and Jeff via email at podcast.fangraphs.com or via the Patreon messaging system if you are a supporter. Thanks to Dylan Higgins for his editing assistance. Please have a wonderful rest of your week. Happy New Year if we don't talk to you before then, and we will be back with another episode sometime soon. I know he's out there, the man my heart was meant for. I'll find him sure as twilight finds a sea. I know he's out there, the one my soul was sent for. The mist will clear one night and there he'll be.